Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Melody Moody-Thordis with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Each week on the Arts Hour, my colleagues and I get a chance to talk to different creative Mississippians working across the state. On today's show, you'll hear clips from a series of different interviews I recorded at the Mississippi Museum of Art during the 2019 Mississippi Invitational, a biannual exhibit that features works from visual artists who were selected to participate. The exhibit will be up for public viewing now through August 11th. In addition to exhibiting in the Mississippi Invitational Exhibit, all of the chosen artists are also eligible to apply for the Jane Crater Hyatt Artist Fellowship. I got a chance to speak with Jane about the fellowship's beginnings and her support of the arts in Mississippi throughout the years. You'll also hear from Betsy Bradley, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Museum of Art, as she shares more about the Invitational, its history, and what it means to artists across the state. Betsy asked if we would sponsor it, my husband and I, as a perfect match for what she knew we cared about, arts in Mississippi, and me especially with my background of working with artists all over the state at the Arts Commission at that before that, long before that, I had retired, but nonetheless maintained that interest. And without the artists, we don't have the art. So we, we need that special support for the artists themselves. And I thought the Mississippi Invitational was a wonderful thing. The Invitational was important for us to begin that process, but as I kept thinking about a way to really do something for an artist. When I started the fellowship, that was the real passion at that time. My late husband wanted me to do something, given all of my work in the arts, that had my name on it. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, okay, I'll allow that. (laughs) So it became the name of the fellowship. And it seemed like a perfect match for what the museum was already doing, of being able to take one of the already curated artists in the program, which meant that they had talent and skill and were good enough to be selected. Therefore, I did want it to be based on their vision about what they wanted to become if they wanted to increase particular knowledge or skills or scope of their work or or whatever, but some way that would advance them for the future and for Mississippi. Now, we were known all the while for our writers and for music. Mm -hmm. We've led the world, but we haven't been that well-known for the visual arts So I thought, let's get in there and take over that, too. (laughs) Most of the fellowship recipients have traveled somewhere, either for a special workshop or to visit the artists that they're most interested in emulating or learning from or adapting from or having inspiration beyond what they're already doing. And I think from my own travels, that that can be a real eye-opener and a real expansion of not being 
you know, so narrowly focused or so focused on the local marketing of the art, but on here's what I can do. I can be that special artist. I'm Betsy Bradley, director of the Mississippi Museum of Art, and we are thrilled to once again be showing uh, some of Mississippi's most interesting visual artists through the Mississippi Invitational. This uh, has been a commitment of the museums since 1997 um, with a kind of interesting approach in that this is not a juried exhibition, meaning that people don't just submit slides and, and you pick a few of them, you know, one by each artist or something like that. It's guest curated. And what that means is that a curator from another place uh, comes to Mississippi and actually visits artists in their studios. And he or she, this year it's a woman, puts together an exhibition that she feels like has some thematic unity, some coherence that reflects what she saw in these studio visits as being shaping the identity of Mississippi through art. One thing I love about the Mississippi Invitational is that it seems like each time we at the museum learn about artists we didn't know. And so it helps us to build even stronger relationships with artists in the state and invest in their careers or help promote their work. Um, This year has a really interesting variety of artists. There's some photographers, there's some sculptors who work with found objects, there's an installation artist, two installation artists actually, and some very, very skilled painters um, who really have transformed the canvas into reflective surfaces, it seems like. Every year we get together and we think about who are some curators who are establishing themselves and making a name for themselves and who may, in fact, be able to carry information about artists from Mississippi into larger worlds. So we have had um, art critics from New York who did major writing and, and uh, magazine coverage as a result of their time in Mississippi, so that was great for Mississippi artists. Um, this year we uh, were paying attention to kind of the growing presence of African-American women curators. Um, There really are some strong voices emerging in the national landscape. Kimberly Gant, whom we selected, was trained in the South and and works at the Chrysler Museum in Norfolk, Virginia. So she has a sense of the Southern landscape and the Southern personality, but she's far enough away that she could be objective Um, that she could bring that kind of outsider perspective into um, her work in Mississippi. We are doing a lot of work that looks at issues of identity and race in Mississippi. There are issues that form all of us who live here. And I think that the diversity of the artists in this exhibition 
um, really do reflect that interest. And there's some really interesting connections between the Blackout exhibition that we have up now with some of the artists like Robin Jane Henderson, who uses old materials and kind of stitches it together to make something new. And that's certainly what is going on in the Silhouettes exhibition that we have up now. I think the imagery of the Black Cowboys from the Delta is really interesting, and Rory Doyle has had a year of getting national recognition for that work, so we're pleased to showcase that here. And I think there's some really strong, again, female voices uh, making um, statements about their connectivity to the issues that shaped both the land here in Mississippi, but the history of our state as well. For those just joining us, I'm Melody Moody-Thortis with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Radio. On today's show, we're listening to a series of interviews that I recorded at the Mississippi Museum of Arts 2019 Invitational Exhibit. The invitational process began in May of 2018, with the museum giving a call to artists to submit sample images. Each of the 130 submissions received were then considered by this year's guest curator, Dr. Kimberly Gant. Dr. Gant then visited artists in their studios across the state to further assess their work before final selections were made. I caught up with Dr. Gant at the Invitational and got a chance to speak with her about her background as a curator, as well as her vision and process for selecting the final works. Let's listen to my interview with Dr. Kimberly Gant, guest curator for the 2019 Mississippi Invitational. Uh, My name is Kimberly Gant, and I'm the guest curator for the Mississippi Invitational this year for 2019. Uh, My primary position is as the McKinnon Curator of Modern and Contemporary Art at the Chrysler Museum in Norfolk, Virginia. First off, that I was really honored to be asked to be the 2019 juror for the Mississippi Invitational. It introduced me to an incredible amount of artists that live in the state of Mississippi. It introduced me to really the state. Um, I hadn't been here before, so spending those four days on the road looking at studio visits was just really wonderful and eye-opening and just introduced me to uh, another part of the country that I was not primarily familiar with uh, previously. But in terms of you know, the selecting of the artist. The process for me was that I, you know, received a a large selection of entries, um, blind, you know, just looking at the work. It was, you know, kind of by numbers or letters. And I just started, you know, I just kind of looked through everything and started to, you know, I did, I think, about two or three rounds of kind of going through just a first pass, what are work, you know, kind of categorizing works that I was really connected to works I was sort of connected to works I said you know I don't necessarily think so um, and just kind of went that over two more passes to kind of make a grouping of like these are ones I feel really strongly about um, these are artists I really want to do studio business because I don't know and I, I'm tr- intrigued but I want to know more um, and these are artists who I think I would probably decline for this round so for me I, I try and be when I do any sort of during I try and be conscious of the fact that I know I have certain biases toward certain types of work or um, imagery and realizing the goal, from what I understood of of the Mississippi Invitational, is to really show the incredible creativity, depth, interest, and diversity 
of artists from the state of Mississippi. So using those ideas as my guide point, I said, okay, well, let's also see, let's look at what I've been selected. I mean, let's look at what was submitted and try and get a selection that I think gives audience members a nice breath of the type of art and content and media and ideas that are coming um, out of the state and the, the artists that are in this state. I think I would just like the listeners to know that you guys have an incredible amount of artists in this state, and I don't know if everyone was really aware of that, but, you know, we looked, we went to so many different towns throughout the state, and I think it would be wonderful if there, if each kind of city was able to kind of, you know, really promote the, the local artists in their area, and that the public was just aware, because I think that, you know, the, the Miss Invitational is great, and it's wonderful, but it's just in Jackson, and I don't know how many people have access to come to Jackson to see the Invitational, and it's great that it's happened, you know, it happens regularly, so if you don't get one year, you get, you know, another year, and they do a publication, but I just hope that this really incites visitors or, you know, Mississippians to kind of want to know more about the artists that are from their state and get them interested in art themselves. I don't want them to think this is something that you have to have some incredible amount of training for. If you're interested in some sort of creative force, just try it out. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour, and I'm your host for the week, Melody Moody Thordis with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Join us after the break as we continue to hear from artists featured in the Mississippi Invitational, a public exhibit featured at the Mississippi Museum of Art now through August 11th. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour, a weekly collaboration from MPB Think Radio and the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm your host, Melody Moody Thordis. On today's show, we're listening to a series of interviews that I conducted at the Mississippi Museum of Art during the 2019 Mississippi Invitational. The Invitational includes 23 visual artists, including painters, sculptors, photographers, and mixed-media artists from across the state. I got a chance to talk to several of the artists featured in the exhibit and ask them to tell me more about the work they do. First, let's hear from artists Charlie Buckley and Andrea Costial. Uh, I'm Charlie Buckley, and I'm a painter in the 2019 Mississippi Invitational. Well, I've always painted and, and made artwork since I was uh, a, a young kid. I, uh, I grew up in Newton, Mississippi, and I, I took art from a wonderful art teacher, Dottie Armstrong, and, um, and then I just continued with, with art and painting. And by the time I was in high school, I knew that I wanted to pursue art uh, in college and um, and I went to Ole Miss for, for, to study painting, and then I ended up going to graduate school in Ohio to, to study painting. And I've been painting ever since. I like the solitude, and I, I um, like not having to deal with students anymore uh, in faculty meetings. But uh, I, I do enjoy working alone and, and with my audiobooks and my podcasts and, and MPB <laughs> all, all day. But I, I, I can... You know, with, with, with my gallery work, I can, I've got to the point where I can pursue pretty much the work that I, I want to pursue, and, and I've, I've, figured, I've sort of figured out how to make work that I want to make that's also marketable in, a, in an art market. And, uh, and then I have the commission work, which keeps me very busy, uh, and which is wonderful. Um, but, you know, I am alone all day, and I miss being around other artists uh, and getting that feedback. Because, you know, there's only so much your neighbor can tell you. <laughs> well, I started painting landscapes 
just out of a love for the the Mississippi landscape. And um, I started with straightforward soybean fields, mostly row crops with a tree line in the back. And then uh, a few years ago, I started noticing more flooded fields and it's it's really apparent this year and so i started making uh creating these flooded images on the easel where i would reflect a tree line and and put an overhead view of uh of the mississippi river delta and just playing with water in a different way and 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 referencing current events and you know climate change etc and it's you know I try to find in the landscape I try to find something beautiful and something that's also destructive. Back in 2014 or so, we had a huge tornado come through Tupelo, and and there were houses that were like flipped over and and on top of each other, and and I, I started looking at them and I thought I I could put these houses on top of each other, and so I started very simply and I just stacked three houses, sort of craftsman bungalows, and then it got larger and larger. I started putting water towers in some and old gas station signs, and and then they've they've grown to these monstrosities where I have 15 or 20 houses um, stacked on top of one another, and and I sort of think of them as like um, Mississippi's version of like the Rio de Janeiro favelas, these pieces of architecture just grow over time, and they're added added on top of one another. And, and you know, I'm playing with class, and, and there's also there's some hints of ideas of climate change because these houses are growing up as the water, as the floods come in. And so some of my most recent ones, I've had water in the foreground so that the these beautiful but post-apocalyptic images are rising out of the water as people search for higher ground. But yeah, most of the houses come from Mississippi, so it's got that southern vernacular architecture. I am Andrea Kostya, a mixed-media oil painter at the Mississippi Invitational. So um, I grew up in in Hungary in a very small village, about 300 people. was um, very close to nature, played outside, observed the plants and bogs and uh, uh, and it was a very very uh, safe um, environment so um, nature is really close to my art later on uh, I moved to the city uh, page to study uh, art uh, and I always uh, draw and painted as a kid um, I was a really shy uh, child so I always felt like Painting is kind of my voice, and drawing art is my voice because I was like really afraid to talk otherwise. <laughs> I remember my parents sent me to the store, and I was I had a little list like what to ask, what I need, because in Hungary, in a small village, there is a like um, a table and. Um, you have to ask what you need. It's not like self-service. And I was really shy. I always had to have my notes and showed it to the uh, lady at the store because I was afraid to ask, <laughs> to tell them what, what I need. So um, later on, I moved to the city to study art. I, ma- I uh, majored in textile. And uh, I just fall in love with the busy, like... Um, colorful and vibrant uh, city life. 
I, so I majored in textile. So um, as I, when I start uh, painting, I uh, start with the horizontal and vertical uh, lines uh, as the loom on the ca- uh, on the pastofi, or <laughs> I may not pronounce it well. When you start a weaving, uh, so it's like a, a weaving. So I studied weaving, uh, so I, I think better in the horizontal and vertical lines as a woven piece. And also helps me think uh, in, in the perspective, uh, in the cityscapes, to place the, the buildings and the, in perspective. <laughs> if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour, and I'm your host, Melody moody Thordis. On today's show, we're listening to clips from my interviews with some of the visual artists in Mississippi who were selected to participate in the 2019 Mississippi Invitational. Hosted by the Mississippi Museum of Art and supported by Jane Crater Hyatt through the Community Foundation for Mississippi's Hyatt Fund. Let's listen to more from my conversations with visual artists who displayed their work as part of the show. You'll be hearing from artists Rory Doyle and Jennifer Torres. My name is Rory Doyle, and I'm a photographer in the Mississippi Invitational. I got started in photography at the very last semester of journalism school at St. Michael's College in Burlington, Vermont, and it was a basic photojournalism class. We didn't have a photo J major, but it was that one class um, that sparked my interest in photography. I learned how to use a camera manually for the first time, and immediately I knew that that's how I wanted to share stories, was through the camera and not through writing. And so, yeah, the journalism was extremely helpful in, in developing my photography career, but, but that one class was all I needed to know that, that you know, photography was the medium of choice for me. So my wife and I moved to uh, Mississippi, specifically to Cleveland, and um, because I got a graduate assistantship to go to Delta State University, and for two years I was in uh, a master's program there where I also taught in the local school district, and then in exchange, like, the program, the tuition was free and we received a stipend, and so really over those two years we got to know the Delta quickly and and, um, very, very closely, and uh, it, it grew on us. We, we fell in love with it. It's such a unique place. At that time where I was studying, I was also taking every moment with my camera to improve and continue learning because I still really only had that one basic class under my belt. And so uh, you can imagine being from Maine originally, resettling in the Delta um, and having endless stories and the wide open landscape to photograph. It was a fascinating place. And uh, we've been there now for almost 10 years, and, and I still feel like a sense of newness and a sense of exploration anytime I go through the Delta. Uh, for the last two and a half years or so, I've been photographing um, a project called Delta Hill Riders, which is about uh, African-American cowboys and cowgirls in the Mississippi Delta. And uh, really, the project started by a random stroke of luck, and I saw a small group of riders in the back of our annual Christmas parade in Cleveland, Mississippi. And going back to my journalism background, um, I saw a story there immediately, and I figured, okay, this is an opportunity to maybe focus on a particular group of people here who I didn't know much about. And in general, I think um, people uh, mainstream in terms of society, they don't know that much about the history that is very deep in terms of uh, black cowboys and cowgirls across uh, the whole country, really. But, uh, I, you know, I geared the project toward the Delta. And 
over these two and a half years, it's been a fascinating experience to get to know these people really closely and uh, to make the project in my own backyard. Like I've been able to develop really intimate uh, relationships with these people and every few days go out and photograph them. So it's been the most engaging um, project I've ever worked on. And I'm also very thankful to the people in the photos who've accepted me and, and my cameras to be around so much. I think the most unique thing about working on this project is that people who have lived in Mississippi or who have lived in the Delta their whole life will actually come up to me after seeing the project somewhere and say, well, I didn't know this existed. And that's, you know, that's people of all backgrounds. And so it's really interesting to hear that this culture, which has been there for generations, we're talking about 50, 60 years ago that this group started to form. And so they've actually been riding in the Christmas parades for years, for, for decades. And if people don't pay attention to them being in the parade or if people have no connection to horse riding or cowboy culture, um, it's very easy to look past them. And so aside from the work, you know, that I'm producing, I think it's really special to be able to teach people about a subculture that does exist. And then that conversation can spark, you know, more dialogue about how African-Americans have been contributing to cowboy slash Western culture for so long since dating back to the Civil War. And so there's an element of education within the project, a dialogue that's sparked, and and people can be given credit for something that uh, has been overlooked for so long. My name is Jennifer Torres, and I'm an artist at the Mississippi Invitational. I don't remember a day without ever making art, actually, my entire life. And uh, my parents had four kids. I was the oldest. And so, of course, the main thing parents try and do is find something for their children to be interested in. And I was always drawing, always in my room drawing. I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't want to be on sports teams. I didn't want to go out. I just wanted to draw as a little kid. And so uh, so I kind of started with them finding me a, uh, when the piano... Um, and the accordion and the flute didn't work out. <laughs> um, they found something quiet for me to do, which I was already doing. So I work uh, with a lot of imagery that I find. Um, I like people to laugh. I like people to build a connection with the work that they're seeing. But I also feel that um, as an artist, it's my responsibility to be able to make commentary about what's going on in the world around me. I think it's kind of almost my job to do that as an artist, to be a lens, to be that thing which takes what's going on around us and and, uh, put it out there in a way that I understand it, in a way that means something to me, but that other people might also latch onto and and have some type of uh, communication with or understanding of. And there's a lot of stuff going on in this world right now that um, frankly, just scares the pants out off me. I don't understand the the way we think these days, and I don't understand a lot of stuff that's going on in our government and the people who are running our country now. And I sat around and I thought, oh my goodness, what is going to happen to me and my weirdo friends? You know, how are we going to live in this world that's like that? So I I thought I would make a, a misfit army out of weirdo children, and these figures that I'm doing would be representative of all the misfits and the weirdos and the people who don't fit in and those who um, need to be recognized as being um, part of our world and that we would take over the world and we would 
fill it with love and acceptance and it all sounds really schmaltzy but it was my way of being able to conquer what I was seeing and hearing and so uh, the three that are in the show are a family unit you know and so they have multiple legs and weird heads and you know voids for their mouth areas and and uh and I have others at home that have eight legs and holes and square eyes and all kinds of things and I have oh maybe 30 or 40 of them now and I'm gonna just keep making them my feeling about art is it shouldn't be something that um that scares you away or something that you know you don't want to approach so you almost want to trick people into getting up close and going, oh look at those and then they go oh okay walk away from the experience going you know I, I think I learned so, uh, okay I get it and then I'm surprised at how many people come up and go can I be in your misfit army you know I feel like I'm a misfit sometimes I, I think we all are right I'm Melody Moody Thordis with the Mississippi Arts Commission and you're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio After a short break, we'll continue to hear from artists featured in the 2019 Mississippi Invitational, a public exhibit of visual artists at the Mississippi Museum of Art. Welcome back to the final segment of the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB. Each week on the Arts Hour, representatives from the Mississippi Arts Commission speak with creative Mississippians from across the state. On today's show, I'm speaking with some of the visual artists who were selected to exhibit their work at the Mississippi Museum of Art's 2019 Mississippi Invitational. You'll hear from artists Ben Hillier, Betty Press, and Rick Byfield. My name is Ben Hillier, and I'm a photographer at the Mississippi Invitational. I have a bachelor's degree in architecture. I went to Mississippi State University, and so my first classes in photography were at Mississippi State. Um, I have a minor in photography, if you call it that, and uh, spent most of my summers in the darkroom. I practiced architecture for 10 years, and then I got married, and I moved to Natchez, Mississippi, and I was looking for a job. Um, My wife's an architect. She didn't want the competition, so I decided that I would um, seek a job, just a part-time job at the newspaper, which quickly turned into a full-time job, and now 18 years later, I'm I'm the news editor there at at the paper. I'm not from Mississippi. I'm actually from West Alabama, and there's not a whole lot of kudzu where I um, grew up and and spent my years as a child. Um, So when I came to Mississippi, kudzu was a a pretty incredible sight to me, so much so that it sort of captured my imagination. I I love the landscape. I love the forms that it it creates, especially uh, um, throughout the seasons. I know a lot of people think of kudzu as just being this mass of green that's along the roadways what I really enjoy doing is watching the mass change over time watching the forms change like in in the springtime the kudzu is just beginning to grow and crawl up the trees and then in the fall just like every everything else it's beginning to die back and the colors change from green to brown and so you can see in some some of the photos that I really have captured especially in this exhibit it's not really the summer green of kudzu it's really the fall browns and and yellows and oranges and then the other image in, in the exhibit is a photograph of um, smoke that is just sort of hovering over the landscape. The kudzu's there, and it, the kudzu's important because it sort of creates this nice sea of green, but really that line of smoke that goes across is really what captured my attention when I took the photograph. Both images were taken in Natchez. The interesting thing about Natchez, I know a lot of people think of Natchez as being 
um, historic homes, beautiful architecture, the Mississippi River, and it does have all of that. But the thing that is really interesting to me about the town that I've been living in is that there, um, it's a town surrounded and uh, surrounded by bayous, and those bayous are covered by kudzu most of the time. So both of the pictures that I have are from bayous that are actually in town. They're not out in the countryside. They're just in between neighborhoods in, in, in Natchez. I'm Betty Press, a photographer in the Mississippi Invitational. Well, I didn't start photography till sort of later in life, but I always have loved photography. And then I had a chance to do a fellowship with my husband in the University of Michigan. And I was able to take some photography courses because I'm basically self-taught otherwise. But at least I had a year of, of solid instruction, and I learned basically... I was, you know, trained as a black and white, and I've always tended to love taking black and white photographs. You know, I um, I didn't plan to come to Mississippi, and then we we uh, got jobs at the University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg, so we came here in 2003. And I've realized I didn't know anything about Mississippi, and I had a lot of probably misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the history is very controversial. So I just, to try to understand and learn something about Mississippi, I started doing these road trips. And I had a Mississippi atlas, and I liked it, all the funny names and unusual names like love and, you know, fair trade and darling and, you know, interesting names. And so we just kind of made that our way of visiting places, and we would meet people and and also, my background was I was very I'm very was very influenced by the Civil Rights Museum. I lived and worked as a photojournalist in Africa, so I was really interested in that black and white relationship that is so important and uh, has really influenced the South. I hope that maybe I'd like to maybe do this as a book eventually, and the picture that would be the signature photo or the cover photo would be the the other photograph that's in this exhibition mm-hmm. called Two School Chairs. Mm-hmm. It was taken in Black Hawk, Mississippi, and it just happens to be a white school chair sitting beside a black school chair. And to me, that, again, is just kind of what I think is so important in the world and in Mississippi and in the South. My name is Rick Fifield, and I'm a sculptor in the Mississippi Invitational. Well, I'm a self-trained uh, sculptor, and I uh, work entirely on my property in rural Mississippi. And uh, the work is really a response to that land and how I've been healing it over the last 30 years of ownership. When I purchased the property, it was clear-cut forest, and so the, the pieces that I've installed on this property are a response to the regrowth of the native landscape. The, the materials I use uh, in my sculpture are primarily the earth that is on the site and recycled materials that I uh, bring to the site, uh, oftentimes uh, brick, uh, pieces of stone, uh, chimney flues, uh, mostly architectural elements. 
just because the, they inspire me and they uh, also uh, weather well on the property. Because uh, one of the things I, I like about uh, that land is that, uh, and having pieces in the open air, is that they, uh, they weather and they kind of meld themselves with the property. I am a self-taught artist, and I've, I've never really participated in the art world at all. And so uh, it's been quite an adventure of first identifying this as a, a, an avenue for expressing myself, and then going through the process of, you know, kind of making, first making the art, but then being able to communicate my ideas to other people. So this is the first artist statement I've ever written, which is a really interesting process. I've been fortunate enough to be able to travel uh, a certain amount, uh, you know, in the United States and also in different countries around the world. And one of my uh, big ideas is to bring that experience back uh, to Mississippi to share with other people. Uh, you know, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Central Africa, and so a lot of my work is inspired by that experience of living in a, a Central African country for two and a half years. Uh, a very wonderful experience and something I really I'm compelled to share with other people. You know, I, th I think that the the thrust of my work is primarily about interpreting the landscape through art. And, you know, I, I love the land that I own. I love the, the land, this pine savanna of South Mississippi. And I really want people to see that environment. I want to heal the environment that I uh, have uh, been able to take care of. And, and so the idea of the sculptures is a way to communicate that love and to invite people to the landscape and so they can have their own interpretation. In addition to being selected for the show, all of the artists are eligible to apply for the Jane Crater Hyatt Artist Fellowship Award, a financial award which has included upwards of $20,000, which the winner can use to further their artistic career, to purchase art supplies, to conduct research, to travel, or to pursue other complementary projects that help realize a specific creative idea. During the two-year period, the winning artist is also asked to create at least five new works and to donate one original work of art to the museum. I got a chance to talk with past recipient Philip Jackson, as well as this year's current fellowship winner, Kreitz Campbell. My name is Philip Jackson, and I'm an artist out of Oxford, Mississippi. I started painting in college uh, when I was an undergraduate at Columbus College of Art and Design, and I started as a graphic design major and then uh, realized I enjoyed doing more of the illustrations for the graphic designs. So I started taking a couple of illustration classes, fell in love with illustration. And a friend of mine, we both changed together. And um, when we got in there, we realized that we weren't as good at painting as we'd like to be, as some of the other illustrators. So we thought we'd take another couple classes in painting. So painting came along, and I decided to switch my major to fine art, so that I'd have more time painting. And that sort of uh, took a hold of me, and I dropped illustration and graphic design altogether. So I'm drawn to the still life for many reasons. One of them is it's the most overused subject in all of art. When you look at a, a still life painting, you think, okay, um, I've seen this before. Um, it wasn't until I saw the work of my professor that changed the way that I saw still life forever. When I saw his work, he painted them drew them in color pencil larger than life. And so uh, it forced the viewer into a position where they were filled uh, in their periphery of how they saw that it was in their face. They couldn't pass it by, which is what you do in a still life painting. You walk by it. When I started painting, though, 
I realized that I was more interested in little tiny things that someone has to walk up to to take interest in. And so what if I could make this amazing painting out of something that was overused, overdone, and change the way that they look at it? And so I started painting a lot of things like goldfish crackers and cracked eggs and, and, you know, just things that you would not normally put into a still life painting. But I started doing that and it changed the way that people looked at my work. Um, they became, they became very interested by humor. They would laugh, they would chuckle. Um, but they were, I want the one thing that made me so happy is that I could see them, that their nose was four inches from my painting. I knew that at that point, that was something that I wanted to be a big part of my work. So I do small pieces because of the intimacy that it creates with the viewer. When they walk up to the painting, they have to walk up if they're going to experience the work. If they look at the work at a distance, they, they, they're not invested. And so either they're not interested or they haven't found the jewel that's inside the painting. So when they, find, when they come up to the painting and they come close enough to see the painting, um, hopefully my job is to hide enough things in there and put enough um, – minutia of things in there that they'll they'll have a different way of looking so that they're looking at things i yeah i've seen of cherry before but in the way that i see this cherry in this position juxtaposed next to all these other objects that are unrelated new associations kind of arise and and there's new relationships that happen because of the organization of all that my name is christ campbell and i'm the recipient of the 2019 jane crater hyatt fellowship so I was uh, born and raised in West Point, Mississippi. Grew up really not exposed to a lot of art. I mean, there's I took some ceramics classes when I was 13, but I've, I've always been sort of desire to make things, tree houses to go-karts, whatever it had to be. And then I guess in my senior year of high school, I, I began uh, having a desire to be a maker and then had the opportunity to go study in Chicago at the School of the Art Institute, which is a really great program. And there I got my undergraduate degree and uh, spent a total of about 20 years away from Mississippi. I got different educations over in England and and North Carolina. Had a studio practice in Chicago for about 10 years and then decided to move back to Mississippi, uh, really to grow my my studio practice. Um, And teaching became an opportunity the year or two after I got here. And that turned into a tenure track position at Mississippi State, um, which has been really the gift of my career. Painting is, is new to me in the past couple of years. It's um, Woodworking is what I'm trained to do, and I'm definitely more of a maker in terms of three-dimensional things. It's um, I had a sabbatical in 2014 where I, I was traveling a lot, so I needed to make work that I could uh, handle and, and ship. So I started making this sort of flat, almost painterly work with, uh, with wood. And then the, I began using milk paint, which is a pretty traditional uh, casing for, it's really get, great to use on wood. And that led me towards, um, I can't remember when the clouds became part of the work, but um, actually I may, I went to Shiloh Cemetery a few summers ago, and there was a, just amazing clouds that day. And I was sort of standing on that battlefield with those clouds, sort of imagining all of that horror and those clouds sort of eternalness of that made it a big impact on me so I started employing that as a metaphor yeah the fellowship was a such a great surprise um it's the third time I've applied for it so I've always you know it's something that's I've always loved to measure myself 
with this show, and it's really important to me to to um, to apply. And I always love when I when I'm selected to be in the Invitational. But to get the fellowship is um, it's really so much motivation. I think it's really important that that all of the artists have that opportunity to apply. It kind of gives you you know something to strive for. So for me, it's it's going to view the work of uh, an artist named Anselm Kiefer, who's um, people keep saying that my work is nothing like Anselm Kiefer's, but it's. Uh, I actually find that a lot of. I feel like we're we're trying to speak the same language, just not in the. We're not using the same words, maybe, but we're interested in the same things. He's interested in history and metaphor and um, memory, and he's talking mostly about German, sort of the Holocaust years and that history. Mississippi has a has its own troubled history um and that's something that i you know i'm eight generations of this state so there's it's part of my being whether i like it or not so I, uh, it's interesting for me to sort of, to try to pursue that so i'm going to see his work um, mostly in spain and in france and then up in massachusetts there's a large collection of his work thanks for listening to the mississippi arts hour i'm melody moody thordis with the mississippi arts commission I hope you've enjoyed today's clip show, and be sure to check out the exhibit of the 2019 Mississippi Invitational, open for public viewing at the Mississippi Museum of Art, now through August 11th. If you missed part of this interview or want to listen again, go to mpbonline.org backslash Mississippi Arts Hour, and be sure to tune in each week for the Mississippi Arts Hour, a co-production of MPB Radio and the Mississippi Arts Commission.